Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm going back to where the beach is near. The beer is dear. There's plenty of other women out of the crowd. Walking around the midnight. The whistle is gone. And smoke over at your back. By the Well, I'm being told that Average Joe's does not have enough players and will be forfeiting the championship match. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Hi, you're welcome to the Sligo Way podcast. I'm Rosso Boyle, your Northwest Rugby Correspondent, and I'm delighted today to bring to you uh, Mr. Shawnee Henry. So, Canada, Attracta, Sligo, UL Bowes, Munster, Connacht. Shawnee, it's been a bit, bit of a journey there in the, the rugby careers. Yeah, but, for sure, for sure. It's uh, uh, a lot of change throughout it all, but it's all been great. Some good steps along the way, you know. Yeah, Shawnee, and so it's just—it's great to see you now. By the way, it's—it's it's, it's been a few years. Um, we're, we're getting old, aren't we? Oh, tell me about it. Yeah, it's actually been way too long, Ross. You know what I mean. But I've been keeping keeping a, keeping an eye on things from a distance. But it's uh, it's certainly great to connect, man. And it's been been far too long, you know. Yeah, good man. And Shawnee, Boston, I believe, is where you're dialing in from over in the states. Yeah, yeah, I moved over here, kind of probably full time almost straight after my career ended um, and I've been here on and off with visas ever since so uh, yeah it's been good it's been one of these things it was um, I kind of always wanted to make when I retired from the game I always said I'd move away from it kind of completely I, I didn't really have much interest in coaching or doing anything like that so the idea of kind of starting fully you know fresh in a new place and where rugby really isn't the thing at all is was kind of uh, I don't know kind of invigorating like- or Kind of, you know, a nice start to your yeah. career. So, um, and I, I, I'd say we could probably do another podcast on just the last fortnight in the United States alone. Um, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. We might go into a little bit of rugby, Shawnee, and jump back to um, where it all started. So, just yeah. to bring everybody up to speed, Shawnee. Um, so, Banat Abbey was where you went to secondary school, and I believe Banat Abbey became Saint Attractors in your in your second year or second or third year, was it? Yeah, correct. Yeah, I think I we just finished the junior cert, I believe, when we merged with um, Tobacurry Secondary School, and we all moved into the brand new school in in Saint Attractors. And um, 
yeah, really before that, that was kind of where rugby started for me. We we had like a couple of games when we were in Bannon. I think we played maybe two games against like, um, I, I can't remember, truth be told. But um, when we moved into St. Tractors, we got a bit more structure. Obviously, we had a bigger, we had a big, bigger pool to choose from as well because two schools becoming one. Yeah. Um, and we, we started Gene McConnell, was was solely responsible for it, and Tom Gilligan. Um, they were the ones that really got it going. And um, yeah, we I think it was like 15 we started playing. It was me, it was uh, Stephen Connolly, Dave Kikoyne, a few good stalwarts there. We yeah. got Kirk, you know, David Kelly, some amazing athletes. I think that was yeah. the one thing that really stood out to me, if I remember from those times, is that how bad of an athlete I was in comparison to some of those guys. Jean is massively involved still with the club. She's the vice, the vice president this year in PRO and she's done Trojan work. Um, and, you know, and she's, I know she's very proud of, um, of getting you into the game and, and, and delighted with, with, and she talked fondly of the, the memories of, of yourself in the school. Um, and I suppose one of the big highlights would have been the, you won the Connacht Junior Development Cup. Um, yeah. And I think to this day, that's, that's the, the, the only bit of rugby silverware in the school. Um, yeah. Captain by yourself, what are the memories of that campaign? Yeah, it was good. I, I think two things stood out to me. I think we, we played, I think we played the grammar. I think we played Ross Butler's grammar side beforehand in the, in the main competition. And we lost, not by very much, I want to say it was 7-9 or something like that down in the grammar. Tied, um, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Gary Kern had a couple of kicks and I remember Simon was playing and there was a couple of other people and I just remember my disdain for Ross Butler at the time because he seemed to have the world at his fingertips and he just seemed <laughs> to be, the game seemed to be so, so easy for him. He since became one of my, you know, a very good friend of mine. But at the time, I just remember trying my level best to get him, but uh, I, I didn't in the end. But um, so, so, yeah, we ran, that was, that was, we ran you guys close that day and that was a shame we didn't get it over the line. But um that really set us up then in the, in the development competition. And I think we played, was it Gore to the final in Gore Regions? Um, yeah, and we managed to bring it over the lines. And I remember, Shawnee, when um, the, the likes of yourselves and, and Kilcoyne and, and, and Conley and, and Ronan Leonard and Damien Cawley and, and, and big yeah. chest Gorman, Colin Gorman. Yeah. <laughs> when, all, when all of you boys come out to Sligo Rugby Club and um, it was just brilliant. Like, you know, they, you just brought that kind of that rugged farm, farmer strength. <laughs> <laughs> and you all, looked about 10 year, you all looked about 10 years older than us as well. <laughs> and... Uh, weather out there or whatever it is but <laughs> I remember the first time coming out to, to Sligo and uh, I remember uh, Brendan Leahy pulling up in like a blue Volvo and I just remember thinking what in the name of God have I got myself in for here David and I, I remember you when you first got to the training it was like a clown car it was uh, all these big massive men coming out <laughs> coming out of a tiny car yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. the poor car the poor car was struggling going over that mountain back and forth back out to Canada and Tupper Curry <laughs> yeah, I remember shortly afterwards, then we used to get the bus. There was a bus that used to come out that the club ran. It used to come up and collect us. We were at the top. And then it'd come down, do Tupper Curry. It'd do Bally uh, <laughs> Moat. We'd collect Tansy and, and Peter Rafferty. And it was actually just like, it was just such a collection of personalities in that bus. But it was never a dull day. But we, and we'd end up getting home at like maybe 11 o'clock on like a Wednesday or Thursday night. But it was, uh, it was brilliant. But I remember my first two weeks. You were at the time. You were the guy. Like you were the main guy down there. And Jeez, um, been a sh- sharp deterioration over the years. Roy Cooper was there, and I remember hating it for the first two weeks, three weeks, just going, "What am I in for here? No interest." I remember Adam Fine has stood on me a couple of times, and then I was like, "All right, enough of this." So um, we did a tackling drill, and I think I got him a decent shot. And then after that, I kind of started to feel my way through it, but. Um, 
yeah, I think that was the next step in it, right? Where we started to get involved with the club and and just a great again, like just as a as a rugby club, like Sligo has just always had such amazing people in it. I think when you at the time you don't probably realize it because it was just all you know, right? But yeah, um, you know, and I was lucky I went on to another great club in UL Bowes, but even still, like the, the people in Sligo are second to none, like the Joe Walsh's, the Brendan Leahy's, like Gene, all these great people that like you know, without them, you know, around at the time, God only knows where we'd all and be. It's, and it's good to say, like, a lot of those names are still coaching. Um, Joe Walsh is still coaching the underage. Gene is highly involved. Uh, you know, Brendan Lee, he's now will be more used to the bar stool than he would be on the training pitch at the moment <laughs> in the club. But he's, he's still there to give you a nice bit of criticism, constructive after your matches, and give you a punch in, punch in the stomach after games when he sees you. But um, it's, it's, there's, a good, there's a good community there. And, and just to kind of... You know, it was just it was it was brilliant getting you boys to come out to the club those years, and we had such friendships, great friendships to this day still. And uh, back to the under 18s we, we obviously had quite a little bit of success in, in those years as well. Really, you boys were the, were the cornerstone of, of of that team as well, um, with, coming through. And you know, it was just a, it was a mix of a, a, a great couple of years, and it was great characters and personalities in that squad. And yeah, for sure, it was actually. You know, it's funny you look back on it and like when you think about my career. I think about my career. Um, like you know, obviously was lucky to play. I didn't have a hundred tests, you know, cap career on them, but got a few games at the professional level or whatever. But those years down there and some of my early years in UL was like they're some of the most enjoyable of my whole career. And I mean that because you didn't yeah. have it you didn't have the pressures of the contracts or you didn't have the pressures of injuries or you didn't have any of that stress. You were just playing it because you'd you know you'd a great you'd a great couple of coaches, you'd great friends around you and it was just a joy. And I I really like the style of rugby we played. You know, we played that super physical, you know, confrontational style and it suited the people we had involved at the time. Yeah. We had, you know, the spark from Ross or Simon or whoever the case may be. I think Cahill was coming through then. Um, yeah. as well. so it was uh no it was that was honestly some of the best days and nights to be told yeah. of, of, of my rugby career it was I it think was, we I remember I was just trying to go down the memory lane to see what, what times I remember we went over to Newcastle for a trip with the with the Connacht schools and uh it was, it was it was a good trip now I think you were a bit under the weather for a pool recovery session uh, the next morning at one stage for sure yeah for sure that was uh that was the start of it again being that little bit younger I was trying to probably keep up and I definitely didn't do a good job <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, there was, there was great memories. And um, so talk me through you well. That would have been a nice change. You know, obviously you said the culture was similar in Sligo and, and the spirit of, of, of some degree. But just tell us a little bit more about the UL days and some of the fellas that were on your team back then. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, we, we were lucky. We, I came in with a class that was just, at that time, the, the UL Bowes Academy. We probably didn't realize it, but it was such a, it was it was a really high-functioning academy. Like, like I yeah. might use and then Ian Costler took over it as well, who now is with Wasps, I believe. Yeah. Um, uh, we probably didn't realize how good the standard of training was, but it was awesome. So we would train before college in the morning at 6.30, we'd do weights, and then we'd have a pitch session or a skill session most afternoons. So you, know, you were training twice a day pretty much all the time, and we loved it because we were just there with our friends. We were living on campus. <laughs> probably wasn't a traditional college experience compared to some people, but... Um, yeah. Loved it, and we would stay back for our, you know, Christmas holidays or our, you know, our summers. We would still spend down there, and then out of that, like, you, just so many professionals came out of it. You know, there was myself, there was Carl Sheridan, there was Dave Ficoyne, Tommy O'Donnell, Dave Foley. Um, I'm probably forgetting it. Was JJ Hanrahan? Is he there? JJ Hanrahan was another one. Um, yeah. There's just there was so many. And, and what, uh, what 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 division of the AL were you playing then, or did you, what did you would you have any titles or cups there or? Uh, well, that's, that's probably one of the bad things is that we never really, 
never really made hay with it. We would have been Division One at the time. Um, yeah. We were trying to, I think probably the inconsistency of us being released was definitely something like, yeah. some, it'd be, you know, all of us, some days it'd be none of us, some days it'd be two of us. And so you're kind of jumping in and out of when, you know, you were selected yeah. or not, the case may be. So, um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was, it's a great club. It, it really is a great club. It's still very, very friendly with so many people down there. And um, uh, it definitely, that was the springboard, no question about it, that really kicked me on a level. You know what I mean? Yeah. In terms of physically my development, getting fitter and getting stronger and, and really okay. understanding it, you know. And when did the opportunity come about for the, um, to go into the Munster Academy? Um, it kind of was always when we won our first All-Ireland, I think, with uh, the under-20s with UL Bowes. We had a strong team that year and a good few of us got taken in at that time. There was myself, Patrick O'Regan, Dave Lecoyne. There was a lot of us, Kieran Essex, Tommy. We're all, we all kind of got brought in after that, I think. You know, it was yeah. kind of a good, successful team. Um, or at least even into the sub-academy. I think I spent a year in the sub-academy, if not two, and then into the full academy. Um, and then once you're in the academy, it's just a case of, you know, I was kind of, I think I was in my last year of college and I said, look, you know, I've nothing to lose here. Let's absolutely yeah. go, you know, go ham for it. And um, yeah, I managed to, to, to snag, snag my first contract. I think after there was about four hookers were injured <laughs> at one point, I got on the bench against Glasgow and managed to do okay. And then after that, they, I think I, I got my development contract that year. So. Good man. And who, who was there? Was Jerry Flannery would have been there. What was the competition like when you were breaking in? Yeah, that was it was huge. It was massive. And it was probably something, to be honest with you, I probably underestimated a little bit in my first couple of years of my career. I probably didn't pay enough attention to it in that, like, um, I think it was the year they had nine Lions. You know, that year where Munster yeah. had just space or talent and Lions. Yeah. And they were doing great. Um, so you had all the stalwart names, you know, at, at Hooker. It was Jerry Flannery and Damien Barley and, and, and Mike Sherry and myself were there. And we were kind of etching it out. Um and I think, yeah, looking back on it, it's probably, I didn't, it's probably something I didn't adjust to very well is that like going from, you know, Sligo and where we were and where we grew up in the game to down there and trying to then realize that now these guys are just your teammates and they're not yeah. seeing you look at the TV. And I think that's probably something I, I built into making it bigger than it was and, 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 yeah. um, and didn't, really, didn't really just probably throw that all to one side and just, you know, plow my own fur a little bit. Um, yeah. Certainly did not make that mistake then as I got older in my career, but at the start, I think that was definitely something looking back as a, as a, as a retired, as a washed up retiree in Boston, I think about it. You know. <laughs> hey, it could be worse places to be. And uh, talk us through, like obviously, Sean, there's a good few injuries over the careers and whatnot, but what kind of, was there any moments or any injury in particular that you look back to it was kind of like the start of, a, of, of any injuries or, or what, what was the thoughts on that? I always took, like, I look, let's be honest, Ross, I wasn't very good. I was a terrible athlete and I was, you know, not by any means, you know, the, the most naturally gifted individual. So in order for me... Gonna, to I'm just going to, I'm going to pause you on that one there. I got feedback. One of the things to say with uh, BJ Bosa, a, a South African prop, he, he once referred to you as a, a fellow who had a Mercedes engines in a, in a Cosworth body. <laughs> I know exactly who told you that, but anyway, I had uh, to I had to actually Google what a Cosworth was myself now, and it's a, it's a, it's a Ford Escort. <laughs> not the most, uh, most uh, sleek-looking uh, machine you'll ever see. Uh, the Mercedes engine is, is fairly good, though, in fairness. <laughs> and then, so obviously, with um, the Connacht opportunity came, like I mean, that, that was obviously a bit of a, a, a dream coming back to the, the club, your your home province. And um, I suppose would it be fair to say that's where you felt you found your your best form and, and, and kind of started to really break out. Yeah, well, I went away that off season, you know, looking back my time in Munster and, and kind of, 
you know, trying to take the, all the great things I learned off all the great players down there. And I, I love my time in Munster, nothing but good things to say about it. But as I said, I, I probably didn't um, in some ways have enough of an edge about me or I kind of kind of lost my way a little bit towards the end of it. So I was so determined by the time I came to Connacht that I wasn't going to make that mistake. And truth be told, from a coaching point of view, it was probably a bit of a nightmare um, in, in certain aspects because I just had... You know, I was like, "Look, this is my last chance at this thing." Yeah. I really want to do everything I had, and and it was it was it had, it had started to pay off. You know, I, I went up there in really good shape, and uh, and and it was it was it was paying dividends. You know, um, I loved it up there. It was a good time. Like Pat had just came. Been was it Bob. Pat's first season? Was it? Yeah, Pat's first season. So I came in with Pat, and um, we clashed a little bit at the start. I think. You yeah. Know, he had certain ways. You know. He's got his views. He had certain views, and I had certain views, and you know, when it came to like you know, weight and, and, and size and this kind of stuff. And I'd gone that gauntlet before with, with Rob Penny and I just yeah. sorry, kind of knew what worked for me. So, so I suppose know, just to I, kind of, just to tease that out a little bit, Shawnee, like you would have come from like the Munster style of rugby. And I, I know Sean Penny was trying to play a bit more of an expansive game. Um, so that should have nearly sedged right well for you going into a Pat Lamb style. Because I know Pat Lamb in his first year there, he really focused on the skills. He brought in skills coaches and, and you know he wanted people walking around with a with a ball twenty four seven. So like, how was that a challenge for you to play in those wide channels, or or how did you find that? Um, I found it okay because we 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 kind of had a we'd had a um we had had a kind of a, a sampler of it as I said with Rob Penny before. So for me it wasn't it wasn't anything new. But at the same time he would mix and match it a little bit. So there was a chance yeah. for me to get involved on the other side. Um, I think the good thing is that they were willing to use you know. <clears throat> put me in certain situations from a defensive point of view too, which worked for me you yeah. know what I mean? in terms of uh, off kickoffs and, and, and at the tail of lineouts and stuff. So um, it was, they, they, they kind of, it was the same kind of system, but they put a little bit of a tailored, you know, tweak on it, you know, and you yeah. saw that with Downey in the second row, George Nuku, people like that, that had specific yeah. skills. Weren't afraid to, yeah. They were able to play ball. And I mean, it was a, an incredible journey for Connacht, obviously that, that culminated in their, their, their pro 12 victory over Leinster. Um, so to kind of go back into kind of your days at Connacht, um, it was really the start of a, a change in the province. You know, there was a lot of hard work done that Pat Lambs acknowledged in those first year or two um, that, that set the foundation for, for that success. Um, and I suppose that Heineken Cup campaign of 2013 um, it would have been like really when you were really, really coming into form. Um, you had Saracens, Zebra, and obviously Toulouse. And we'll talk about Toulouse now in a few minutes. But... You were you got a start against Saracens. You, 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 like you were, we were heavily involved in that campaign. What's your memories of it? Yeah, well, that's kind of that was kind of really my best form, really at that level. Um, yeah, we played Saracens at home. We ran them close. I want to say it was nineteen thirteen or nineteen fifteen or something like that. Um, and it was the first time when you kind of got up to that level and felt okay. Yeah, sure, I can. You know, this is this is doable. We backed that up with a win in Toulouse, and we I think we did double over Zebra. Um, yeah, that was that was really where I started to find my form, truth be told, and just again working closely with the coaches and everything. I think one thing too that that is not underestimated is the job that Willie Ruan has uh, done. Yeah, there. absolutely. The, the CEO, he's really done an excellent job um, behind the scenes too, and it really it really all flows as one. You, you can't you know have great on the field and you know behind the field if you just look at the product throughout both on and off the pitch right now from where it was, it's it's unrecognizable. So. Um, yeah. It's an important thing to kind of log, I think, you know. And but, a, lovely uh, brand, a lovely brand of rugby being played too. So 
I suppose when you're breaking into that team, it was the likes of Robbie Henshaw, uh, Karen Marmion. You know, they, they were quite young back then. But I mean, was there? Could you tell there was a, something a bit special about them back then? Oh yeah, yeah, no question, no question. I think you know when you when you think about them both, definitely with Marmion, like his his mentality stands out. He's quite a quiet guy, but then you get him on the pitch and he's as hard as they come. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's so and then I think with Robbie, I one thing I didn't realize I'd obviously seen him play, but. I didn't realize his combination of just his size and his 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 speed and his footwork. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. You're looking at him and you're kind of going, Jesus, he's much bigger up close than you you think he is. Um, yeah. But then also again, quiet kind of guy, and then you get him on the field and he's barking around. So that was pretty. It was pretty obvious that those guys, you know, those guys were 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 definitely playing at a very high level when you arrived. And it was a nice mix as well uh, when you got there. First of all, uh, Nathan White and Craig Clark. You know, yeah. two highly experienced fellas. Craig Clark, captain of the Chiefs, won a Super Rugby title. Uh, Nathan White had just pushed into the Irish squad. He was a Kiwi, obviously naturalised with Connacht, and you know he he went on and he he was he was quite a favourite of of Smith at the time as well. Um, you know, them lads must have had, gave you some good experiences as well working alongside them. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we we did we did a great little click going there between Brett Wilkins and myself, and and. Um, and, uh, and Nathan White, and, and also like you know the likes of Jay Harris White and, and and that like we 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 a really tight group and um, yeah Craig Clark I think it's just such a shame we didn't get to play more together because he was such a he was already six seven or whatever he was yeah. but he was long six seven so he was a he would have shown a few darts to him nicely yeah <laughs> um, but uh, yeah those two guys were great and they just brought a nice you know, they brought a nice balance to the squad. But as a squad in, in general, we were very close. You know, you had Andrew Brown, you had Willie Falloon, you had um you had all these great guys that we, we you know, and we just spent a ton of time, you know, together when we weren't even playing. We'd go play cards or do whatever during the day. So it was a pretty tight knit unit and it wasn't surprising that they went on to have, you know, success in the following the following year. And I suppose to look back in the Connacht time, so what what would have been your fondest memories of which, which matches stand out to you? Um, definitely the Saracens, even though we, we, we lost the Saracens game at home was definitely the one where it kind of felt, you know, like we could do a bit of damage here. To lose away, I'd love to say it, but I'd be honest, I don't really remember a lot of it. I, <laughs> I, I decided to try and take uh, Guthrie Steen Camp one-on-one, you know, uh, off the first kickoff and was kind of out of position and he ran straight over the top of me. So, um, I played... But I some massive, that. I mean, there's some massive names that Toulouse team. Like Guy Noves, obviously, is an absolute legend of of, of French rugby. Picamoles, like you know, Doucetoire. It was in the French captain at the time as well. Uh, Jose Gear, like I mean, it was this, it was an absolute, you know, Real Madrid of of rugby teams at the time as well. I think they had yeah. a lot of game in five years um, in in the Heineken Cup at home when you went there and put that result up on them. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think our game plan was spot on, though. Pat had, Pat had quite a unique game plan going into that, that really one that I hadn't really considered much of before or seen many people try and implement. And um, it, it worked a treat. And I think we, you know, we kind of got off to a good start. And we, our basics were really good. Our fundamentals were good. And you do those things away from home, you always have a shot. So um, I think they probably underestimated us, too, truth be told. So yeah. um, I think I should take advantage of that. But um yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was. They were probably. They were probably obviously the big ones. You know what I mean? Those, those ones were pretty good. And I mean, just when I was doing a little bit, of, a little bit of prep there, I found an article, an interview from yourself. I think when you're about twenty years old, when you were in the Munster Academy, and I think you just got your first game, your your debut with Glasgow. And um, you know, it seemed what struck me there was that you kind of knew from early doors your where you wanted to go with your with your non rugby afterwards. I mean, you, you were in your engineering and construction. 
but it, it seemed to be that this, you know, your person that you'd like to sit around the table with, Barack Obama, um, you know, favorite sport, uh, AFL, you know, or NFL. And, um, you know, it really, it really did seem that, you know, rugby was your career, but you, you, you already had your plans for, um, for, for outside of rugby. Yeah, I think, well, for me, it was like, I always kind of kept one eye in it because, you know, unless you're an absolute surefire lock or somebody with such immense talent that, you know, you're yeah. going to get, you know, barring injury, you know, 15 years at the very top of this game, I think you have to kind of keep some sort of an eye on it. Um, and uh, and I, look, I've, been, I've always had interests outside of the game. You know, I, I think yeah. for me, it worked well to have it. I was lucky too, I had a good agent and I had, you know, towards the end of my career, a guy called Dunn Foley got involved um with me and and he was he certainly was the one that made the transition the easiest for me okay. um, you know because he he came and and he helped me massively just in terms of trying to you know see the wood from the trees a little bit when you retire yeah. because um mine was pretty easy because my knee injury was 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 quite bad so it, it, i kind of knew you know early doors that it wasn't going to happen for me because uh, kind of just to talk us through the match that happened or was it like innocuous or what, what, talk us through it a little bit uh, yeah, so we were, we, I, as I said, I just came back from my neck injury. I think I was playing my second game. I um, was feeling great. I started to kind of find, find my form a little bit after a couple of appearances off the bench. We were playing Edinburgh away. Uh, I came on just after half time, and um, yeah, it was, was going great. Felt like I was back in it. I was back to normal. I was really feeling good. And we had a scrum on our own line in like the 76th minute, and um, I hooked the ball, and it bounced off our second row's foot and came underneath our tight head. Uh, and I foolishly tried to put my leg over across towards underneath our tight head and get it back. And it got you weren't stuck. you weren't doing your yoga at that time. No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. And it got stuck in the it got stuck in the in the turf in the grass, and um, the scrum collapsed on the right hand side, and the whole right hand side of the scrum went down the top of it. So it was pretty. Uh, yeah, it was pretty. It was, but to be honest with you, as as a noise, you know, as heartbreaking as it was at the time, and going through that whole process. It was actually easier in some ways from talking to other people that have retired because it was a, def- a you know definitive point. Yeah, I rehabbed as hard as I could. I left nothing on the table. I had, I had three operations on it. You know, did everything I could, and then it just came to a point where it, like it wasn't happening. So that makes it easier. I well, it made it easier for me personally because it was like, okay, that's it. It's done. It was one thing, and you know that that happened. Um, and as frustrating as it was timing wise, when things had just started to get going. It, it kind of did make it easier in some ways to just move on and, and go do something yeah. else. Um, so, yeah. And, and Shawnee, you haven't, haven't gone through it and, you know, the, the career, like we've, we've a lot of young talent now coming through the club. Thankfully, um, we, we, we've, you know, Dunica Byrne in the Conica Academy now and he, he's going really well. Um, you know, what, what advice would, would you have now and kind of sitting back now with this experience for, for any, any fellas, you know, pushing on to try and be, become a pro? What, what, any, any nuggets of wisdom for them? Well, I think, look, first and foremost, and everyone's going to tell you this, but like, you know, genuine hard work is is, is the, the main thing. And like, again, like for me, it was a, about controlling the things I could control, right? I wasn't great athlete. I wasn't great at anything like this, but I knew like, there's no excuse for not being fit. You know what I mean? Anybody in the world can get fit. You just put your runners on, you go run or you go do whatever you need to do. Um, so things like that, that are non-negotiable, should just be non-negotiable. Yeah shouldn't just be a case of, oh, I'm not fit, no, just go get fit, you know what I mean? Or, or anything like that, like your skills, your throwing, your catching, your passing, like anybody can get those. Okay, you might not be the best in the world at it, but you're going to get it to a point with enough practice where you're more than proficient at the professional level. Um, 
And then I think then the second thing that probably looking back at this to me is that don't make it into something that is bigger than it is. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's just a game. Yeah. It's, it's certainly important. I'm trying to balance that intensity of like wanting to push on, wanting to be successful, working hard, doing all that. But at the same time, keeping in perspective and, and realizing that, you know, it, it, it's just a game. You know what I mean? And it, you do it because you enjoy it. That's the hardest thing for me is I was always trying to, trying to line them two up. You know? Okay, good stuff. So look, I mean, Thanks for your time. I said I'd take you just for, for 30 minutes. Um, I'm just trying to think of any other parting quips for you. But uh, I think one of the fe- other feedback I got from David Kilcoyne was, and I said, you know, what stands out for me about Shawnee Henry looking back? Like, and he goes, well, I think, I think Shawnee, uh, fashion-wise, it was a big influence for me. I think you're <laughs> one of the first men out there to, to start wearing suit jackets. And uh, David Kilcoyne said it really struck for him that you, you raised that standard in the dressing room in terms of the fashion sense. So, I mean, how, how are you dressing these days? Uh, not too bad. Suit jackets are still pretty prevalent, truth be told. I think uh, the early suit jacket days was to probably try and hide the bit of excess timber I was carrying. <laughs> probably a fair, probably a fair, uh, probably a fair description. But no, they're still there. They're still. I haven't gone full American style just yet. Still, still keeping with the old, uh, you know, the old bootcut jeans and the shoes. <laughs> and I, tell you, I, I, I do look at your Instagram from time to time, and you have some fantastic sights and sceneries and matches you're getting to, and. and um, you know, what's what the future hold? Is, 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 is the States home for now or, or are there any plans to move home? Um, I don't know, to be told. I, I, I don't, honestly don't know the answer to it. Um, think about it every now and then. I think, you know, career-wise, it's been, it's been really, this country's been really good to me since I retired. And yeah. uh, just, I think the opportunities here are amazing. And, you know, I'm really enjoy. I'm very lucky. I really enjoy the career I'm in right now. And, and I really enjoy, you know, my job and, and everything else. So I do think someday there might be an in, there might be the ability to go between both, and I think that's probably what I'd look to do. Um, but right now it's just about keeping keeping focused on what I'm kind of at at the meantime and seeing how that all unfolds over the next while. But um, yeah, it would it would be nice to be able to spend have an excuse to spend more time at home. You know, because Good stuff. And I suppose you're check, checking in at home, seeing how how are the crew are there around the Howleys area, how how they're keeping. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a while actually since I've been back in Howley's, but I tell you, I wouldn't mind going back in for a... We always, um, we always try to, since, since they're under, sorry, under 18 days, it wasn't any earlier than that, uh, we always used to like, <laughs> <laughs> we always used to like stopping in Howley's on the way home, and that's a great tradition that our, our supporters have kept up, and we, we try to pop in there as much as possible, and, and I suppose you always uh, support the local football team, Raffles, out in your area, do you? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think Tom would always definitely be delighted to see you coming in. I know he is. He always speaks highly of you. He always lets me know every time I come in. So, yeah, I'm sure he's appreciative. Appreciate yeah. it. Anyway, Shawnee, listen. Look, it's been fantastic to um, to catch up with you. Um, we'll, we'll we'll chat we'll chat a little bit more off, off offline after this. But um, so thanks a million for your time and um, all all the best. Okay. Legend. Thanks for asking. Thank you, Shawnee. Okay, thank you. good man. So where the beach is near, the beer is dear, there's plenty of women out the crowd. Walking you around the second, the whistle is gone, strand, and slide on over at your back by the No, I'm being told that Average Joe's does not have enough players and will be forfeiting the championship match. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for us. Cutty tries and drives the clean out over the fence. Oh, he's there. He's the car. Jesus, he's telling Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.